Looking at John, the uh, 17th chapter this morning, um, interesting uh, portion of scripture here. We have recorded here the detailed prayer that Jesus prayed uh, just before uh, he was betrayed by Judas and went on to uh, be crucified on the cross, Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And uh, John writes down in detail Jesus' prayer. We don't really see this anywhere in the Bible. And he's the only uh, one in the Gospels that uh, did this. And uh, we see him as he's praying. And, and he starts out, first of all, praying for himself, for about what he's about to do, which is to go through this incredible suffering and a betrayal and being crucified as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. This is why he came. He knew this from the very beginning. And after Jesus had said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the time has come. He knew what it was about to do. He said, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. And then he says this very interesting statement. He says, now this is eternal life. He's about to describe, define what is eternal life. And you would think, because I know if I went around and asked this morning, what would you call eternal life? Most people would say, well, after you die and you go to heaven and, and being in the presence of God and enjoying eternity and zooming around in clouds or whatever the deal is you might think of, you would think of that as eternal life. But it's interesting, that's not how Jesus describes eternal life. He's about to give us the true definition of eternal life. He said, this is eternal life. What is it? That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. True eternal life does not begin after you die. It begins now. It begins here when you connect with God and truly get to know God in your life and having fellowship with him. That's what eternal life really is. It's not pie in the sky after you die. It's right here, right now, knowing him, communicating with him, having fellowship with him. That's what this is all about. This is what Celebration Church is about, is sharing with people so that they will know God. Now, that's why we gather together to worship, to focus upon him, to get to know him better. That's why we teach you the scriptures. That's why we have our small groups ministries and all the different ministries that we have here at the church is to connect people with him. Because that's where eternal life comes. And when you connect with him, the life of God that flows into you is what creates eternal life. Heaven is just where we hang out as part of this expression. But that's not what you wait for for eternal life. You experience eternal life right here, right now, when you connect with God in your life. And really, that's what true Christianity is about. Just going to church isn't eternal life. Just hearing about Jesus is not eternal life. Just hearing about God is not eternal life. You've got to know him yourself. That's what it's about. How many of you know what it's like to go to church for years and years and years and never really know God in your life at all? Yeah, a lot of people all over here. Millions of people have done this. Go to church, go through the rituals, do whatever they think they need to do, hearing about Jesus but never really knowing him themselves you have to remember just going to church in a building isn't what transforms you into a christian just going through the rituals isn't what makes you a christian it is that connection that you have in really knowing god i've said this many times but going to church doesn't make you a christian any more than sleeping in your garage will turn you into a cadillac all right now you might smell like a cadillac at the end of the day but it still doesn't turn you into a car when you 
truly know Christ, when you've been born again by his spirit and, and, and have this connection with him, that's what it's all about. Then uh, Jesus, he prays a little bit more about that. And then he turns and he starts praying for his disciples. These are the people who've been with him for the last three years. These are the 12 apostles. These are others who have left everything to follow him, who've listened to him as he's gone throughout uh, Israel and preaching the gospel. And he prays for them. He says, I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Uh, they were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. So he starts to pray for them. And you can read the prayer later on your own. But he talks very specifically. He prays that God would bless them. That he would fill them with great joy. And he prays that God would protect them. And it's real interesting. There's almost a sense of sadness. Whereas Jesus is about to be crucified on the cross. And who he feels sad for is the guys who are still left behind. You know, for us, we would think, oh, this is sad. Jesus is going to die and, and go to heaven. And we feel sad for him and good for us. When in reality, he's getting ready to die and go to heaven. And he feels bad for the guys who are still stuck behind. And he prays for them. That God would bless them and encourage them. And, 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 and fill their life with joy. And protect them from the world. He, he says, Father, the world is going to hate these people. He's, the world's going to hate them. And make no mistake. When you really connect with Jesus, the world will hate you. They don't like you. They don't understand it. You're weird to them. Some of us are just weird by ourselves. But then on top of that, you know, then, then you're really weird. So there's something wrong with you. What's wrong with you? And, and uh, oftentimes people will be angry at you. They'll say very nasty things to you. And I dare say the older you are in life when you come to faith in Christ, probably the greatest amount of static that you will get. You know, as a young child, it's one thing. It's not such a big deal. As a teenager, later you become a Christian and all your friends turn on you. You wait until you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s to come to Christ. Ho Chi Mama! The world around you will have a cow. Because what's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? You've changed. You were so you. Now you're, I don't know what you are. You know, well, we've been transformed. You see, when we come to Christ and really experience God, the Bible says that, that, that we're born again. We actually change citizenship. We're no longer a citizen of the world. We're still in the world. But now the Bible actually refers to us as aliens. <laughs> Pastor Mark, do you believe aliens are around? Yeah, I'm one of them. I am an alien. Nano, nano. Remember that guy? <laughs> we are aliens. We don't really belong here. We've changed. We're still here, but there's something different about us. And people will say crazy things. You've been brainwashed. You're part of a cult. You've lost your mind. What's the matter with you? You know, and you're no, you're no more fun, whatever else. And he prays for them. God protect them. Because they're going to get all kinds of static from a world who just does not get this. And make no mistake, people, we live in a world that given the clear opportunity of serving God or rejecting God, the vast majority of people will reject God. It's just the sadness. Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many go that way. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. When you start following that path, you're not part of the crowd anymore. And they can often turn around and be very harsh to you. But let not your heart be troubled. God loves you. He is on our side. Jesus, the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody. You see, nothing. Uh, and uh, it's just interesting, some of the static you get. You know, I remember when I, when I became a Christian, I was 16 years of age. 
I wasn't very old, but me and my brothers, we were hellions. Just hellions. If you looked up hellion in the dictionary, you'd have seen our pictures there. I mean, we were, we were just nasty, nasty, mean, rotten little snots. And you would think, you would think that the one thing in our lives that really ticked off our parents would have been all the horrible things that we did. But no, to this day, I remember my mother, the maddest, the angriest she ever became is when we came and said, we asked Jesus in our lives. What? Now you would think, you would think it would have been the fact that we got caught doing drugs. You would have think it would have been because of the trouble we got in school. You would have think it was because the tenth time we got pulled to the police station to give some answer for something we were involved in. But no! It was when we started going and following Jesus. And she just had a fit. And I thought that was rather odd. I mean, considering everything we've done, this ticks you off? This? This is what makes you go crazy? Yes. Why? Because we became aliens. Now, the good news is about eight, nine months later, my mom and all my brothers and sisters all got down on their knees and we all prayed together to ask Jesus Christ into our lives, you know. So, I mean, it was, they eventually came around. But, boy, in the beginning, holy stinking cow. What was that all about? It's like that you, you don't belong anymore. So he prays for the grace over them from a world that will not appreciate what they're doing. Even though they were going throughout the world and pulling people out and sharing the gospel of Christ as millions were coming to him. And then in verse 20, then he, he prays not just for the disciples that he'd been living and, and working with over the last three years, but now he prays for all believers. This is when he prays for you and he prays for me because he says, my prayer is not for them alone. Talking about his disciples that he'd been with. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, meaning you and me and the millions and hundreds of millions uh, over the last 2,000 years who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and this is what he prays. So he's praying for all those of us who believed in the Christian message. Here's his prayer. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, this verse of scripture is often quoted to bemoan the fact that all Christians do not agree about everything. And that the fact that this morning uh, there's people in this church, but then there's people in other churches around the city, and they look at it as, oh, we're just, you know, we're not doing what Jesus said, we're not one, we're not one, Uh, or bemoaning the fact that sometimes we disagree and, uh, you know, and, and for whatever reason, static might come between us. And, uh, you know, and you occasionally get people who raise themselves up as some self-appointed prophet. Well, God's called me to the city to bring the Christian community together. You know, we're not together. We're not, we're not having unity, 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 unity. And they talk about this unity thing because they look at these, this prayer that Jesus prayed. But well, hold on a second. You got to think about this. This was Jesus praying the prayer. Do you think there's a high probability that God answered his prayer? Anybody think that might possibly be going on? See, it's one thing to not get your prayers answered because you're not 
for example, not having enough faith. You know, sometimes we pray for stuff, and in the back of our mind, even though we're praying, we're thinking, oh, this will never happen. Well, you know, of course it's not going to happen. Why? It's unbelief. You don't have any prayer, faith. Or, or praying uh, because, you know, you want stuff. And you want stuff. And it's okay to pray for stuff. Jesus said, and, and I love the fact, Jesus went around and he was always egging people on. Ask God for what you want. You want something? Ask him. Ask him. Go ahead. Ask him. Watch you see what he does. You know, because he knows God loves to bless people. Okay? And he was always, always egging on. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. God just loves to bless his people. Okay? But there is a line that you can cross when you're more consumed about what you want than God. And when you do that, then ah, you get jack squat. Okay? God is not going to give you stuff that's more important to you than your relationship with him. If you're more interested in the stuff, I got to have stuff, I got to have stuff, I love this stuff, my precious, my precious, my precious. God is not going to give you your precious. Why? Because he wants to be your precious. He wants to be the center of your life. He's not going to give you stuff. You're going to be all consumed by that stuff. Good grief. Give me, 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 give me. Just cry. Oh, God. Oh, God. Why are you so mad? Because God didn't give me my stuff. I got my stuff. Well, you ain't getting jack squat. God ain't going to give you action like that. You're all consumed by that stuff and needing that thing. So, man, dudes, you got to keep an open hand. You need to keep your focus on him. And when God blesses you with stuff, you go, cool. But your attention still stays here. It's not <laughs> for all the stuff. Make no mistake, God wants to bless you. He wants your life to succeed. Sometimes God doesn't answer prayers because it's just not his will for your life. I've been there. I remember uh, I was in the ministry as a young man, about early 20s till I was about 30 years of age. And then I got out because it was a drag and wasn't succeeding in ministry. And, and uh, so I, we left the ministry and we got our, started our own business. Now, we stayed involved in the church. We were involved in worship teams and stuff for churches the whole time. We were never not connected with church intensely in some form. But I thought, well, you know, it's just the ministry's not for me, obviously. I'm not very good at this, so I'm going to just do business. And, I, and we did it. We were succeeding, doing real well. But then all of a sudden, the business started going downhill. And I prayed. And I prayed. I prayed intensely, man. I mean, I, I'd love to have someone in the prayers back, Jack. Man, I spent a lot of time praying for God bless my business. God bless my but he didn't bless my business. Do you know why? Because he had a different plan for me. I promise you. If God would have answered my prayers for my business, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be in Maui, you know, on a beach writing a title check to somebody. You know what I'm saying? God didn't answer this because he had a different plan for us and brought us back into ministry. Sometimes prayers don't get answered because of sin in our lives. I mean, come on. And I'm still stunned that so many people don't get this one. For crying out loud, if you're doing things that are blatantly wrong, that God tells you don't do it, and you do it anyway, you think he's going to answer your prayers? You are on drugs. (laughs) You are one delusional dude. Come on. I'm amazed at how many times people will come and they'll spend time and they're pouring out their hearts. Why isn't God answering my prayers? (laughs) <laughs> you say God will bless me 
And you spend all this time and stuff like that. I remember early on, I'd spend all kinds of time in counseling sessions with people and uh, uh, trying to show them the scriptures, how to connect with God. But I've learned, man. Someone comes to talk to me right away, I start asking them, what are you doing? What do you mean? What are you doing? Are you doing anything that's wrong in your life? Remember one time ministering to a guy week after week after week after week. You know, God wasn't answering his prayers. God wasn't answering his prayers. Did everything I knew to do. And finally I said, are you struggling with anything in your life? What do you mean? Are you doing anything you know is wrong? Well, no. Well, well. I look at porn. You know, once in a while. Really, how often? I don't know, two, three hours a day. Really? Where do you find the time for that? Well, you know, it's, a lot of times in my cubicle at work, I'll do it too. You know, looking at there. And, Hello! And you're wasting my time? Wanting to know, why isn't God blessing me? Why isn't God blessing me? Why? Why? I'm surprised he didn't squish you like a bug. Good grief. Now, God doesn't hate you when you sin. God, but listen, you're deceiving yourself if you're wondering why God isn't blessing you when you're doing stuff you know is wrong. I hate that guy. I hate that one guy. Really? You need to forgive? I forgive. I'll never forgive for what he did to me. Stupid. I just wish he died. Terrible, horrible death. Praise the name of Jesus. You're in church praising God and singing and celebrating. And wonder why God isn't answering your prayer? I'll tell you why. Because you hate that guy. Well, he deserves to be hated. I don't care. You can't go around hating people. And expect God's going to bless your life, answer your prayers. Good grief. There's all kinds of reasons people don't get answers to prayer. But I got a pretty good guess that Jesus got his prayers answered. Anyway, I think that's true. I mean, he didn't have a faith problem. He'd see a dead guy and say, hey, wake up. And God pop up. Like, whoa, very impressive. You know what I'm saying? The weather was out of control. He'd just go zappo and the weather would change. I wish I had that power. Because right now it'd be 80 degrees outside. <laughs> That's odd. And California would be freezing. No matter if I had my control. I mean, we would be in the sun. They'd be miserable in Phoenix. Hallelujah. Jesus knew how to get God a praying. He knew how to get his prayers answered. And God answered his prayers. And when Jesus prayed that we would be one, it wasn't a hope or a prophecy of some distant future time where we all get together, we all meet in one building somewhere. I'm telling you, his prayer has always been answered. Because when we connect with, when you connect to God, that is what pulls us together as one. Doesn't mean everybody's going to think the same. Doesn't mean everybody's going to agree about everything. Even, you know, even in the Bible, we talked about this last week. You know, the Corinthian church. Well, I like this pastor. Well, I like that pastor. Well, I hate all the pastors. I just like Jesus. You know, they're all, they're all off of the place. Of course, he was saying, come on, guys, pull it together. But even Paul in his own life. Paul and Barnabas walking along. They're serving God together. One day they get an argument. They get ticked off with each other. So Barnabas goes one way. Paul goes the other way. Were they going to go to hell? No. Were they not one anymore? No, they're still one because we're one in Christ. It wasn't some violation of this prayer or some other scripture. Look, people don't always have, can't always agree on things, even as Christians. 
But it doesn't mean there's some horrible rift in the time-space continuum and we're not unity. And where is the unity? Where is it? Just relax a little bit. I'll tell you where the unity is. When we plug into Jesus, there's the unity. That's where we get our unity from and it pulls us together. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't strive to get along? Of course. Paul often talked in the scriptures talk about get along with each other. Try to be as like-minded as you can. He even mentioned people by name. You know, tell so-and-so to so-and-so to quit fighting all the time. You know, these two guys in the church. They're like two cats going at each other all the time. And he'd say, come on, let's get along. Talk about believers, you know, taking each other to court and suing each other. Come on, you guys, stop this stuff. But it wasn't that Jesus' prayer wasn't answered. Because we are united in Christ. In God through Christ. This is how it all happens. This is what pulls us together. We are one this morning with believers all over the world. Worshipping in different churches. Doesn't matter where, even even in Michigan. (laughs) Hard to imagine. But we all pull together in Christ. This is what makes us one. Don't let your heart be troubled when sometimes people can't get along or there's disagreements and stuff. Those are all temporary. All that stuff washes out in the end. There's some big violation going on. This is, we're, we're a one in Jesus as long as we choose, choose to serve Jesus. And even this morning, what even pulls us all together here is because of Jesus. The reality, if it wasn't for Jesus, a lot of y'all wouldn't even be here this morning. You wouldn't even be sitting next to the person you're sitting with you. In a normal situation, you'd probably never have anything to do with them. You know, the people over here may not like the people over there because they're weird over there. I belong over there. Uh, you know, but it, it's, it's Jesus that draws us together. There's people here, we've got different backgrounds. You know, some people here are very conservative politically, other people here are very liberal politically, but we still worship together. Why? Because we're one in Christ. We don't all have to think exactly the same. People, different colors here, different backgrounds. There's people here with money, there's people here without money. Sadly, that's the biggest group. But anyway, um, (laughs) it's all right. We need us all, man. And even that, get into Crown Financial, learn how to succeed financially. Praise God. But we're all different. Everybody's different. You got Packer fans here. Most of you are Packer fans. Hallelujah. Then you've got the evil Viking fans hiding, (laughs) hiding in the corner somewhere. (laughs) Normally, we wouldn't hang together we'd hang each other but we wouldn't hang together but in Christ Jesus it pulls us together it's in him again don't let temporary things throw you because we serve a God who in him pulls all things together let us continually strive for unity but remember that our unity really isn't Always so much about this as it is with this. Connecting in him. That's what pulls us together. We pull our energies and our attentions to serving him and knowing him. Because in Christ, we are one. I'm going to invite the ushers to come and get ready to serve communion. Our musicians can come. Uh, Well, as we're getting ready to... change the order of the service as we go into communion. This is, when, this is when we turn our attention to 
what Jesus Christ did for us. What he was preparing for us. He was praying this very prayer. Knowing that he would be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. His body was broken for us so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. This is what brings us life in Christ. But my question to you this morning as we've talked about what eternal life is. Let me ask you, are you experiencing eternal life this morning? Again, it's not after you die. You experience it now. When you die, you just transfer residency. It's not when you start experiencing life. You experience life now. In Jesus, there is life. Have you come to really know God? Or are you like so many millions of people, and even those as they raise their hand all around this sanctuary this morning, those who have heard about Christ, have gone to church and gone through rituals and formulas, and yeah, okay, that's fine, but that's not going to cut it. You need to know Him. If you've never truly surrendered your heart to Jesus, I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads in a word of prayer. We're going to pray a prayer together. And if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong and put your faith in Christ, He can forgive you and come into your life and you can begin to know this wonderful, glorious God that we've been talking about this morning. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much, you went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.